Now our consideration of the Lord's Prayer, then the third petition, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We would see this from the perspective of Romans chapter 12, and let's turn to that chapter here, and especially the first two verses that call us to a response to the mercies of God. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Hear this chapter, and we'll focus especially on this, these mercies, but also on the whole idea here that we are to present our bodies, thank offerings to God, and that would include our minds and our wills. Romans 12, the word of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another." Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints. And now in this next section... There's a calling not only to do good to the saints in the house of God, but also to those without even our enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thus far we read the sacred word of God. And again, 
we're going to focus on these first two verses here. But the first two verses set us up for hearing just how to behave in the congregation and in this world with fruitfulness as we do the will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is certainly to accompany the prayer that we would consider this morning, Thy will be done. Having prayed to our Father in heaven, that his name be hallowed and that his kingdom come, we would pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, proving what is that will is incumbent upon us if we would have that will done even by us as it is in heaven. It strikes me as we consider the first three petitions that they are all of a piece, we should know, the hallowing of the name of God, the coming of his kingdom and his will being done all have to do with God's praise. They're connected that way, kind of like the first table of the law, which has to do with our duty towards God. The first part of the Lord's prayer has to do with the priority of saints, and that is that God be hallowed in our petitions. Before we get to our bread and forgiveness for us, we were a concern for the glory of God. We need to remember that as we pray that God's will would be done, and also that we would do this just because it's to the glory of God. You see, as many have have wrestled with this third petition, this may be the hardest. This may be the hardest about the will of God being done. As our catechism says, that we may do this and without murmuring, obey God, for that will of God is alone good. This is hard. We're meeting with something, in fact, that is impossible And it has to do with our complete sanctification. It is a struggle to pray this prayer and to mean it and then to do it. May the Lord help us. And I'm going to bring to your attention that the mercies of God are here and they're for us and they're in us that we might be helped in our doing the will of God. So let's consider the third petition In the name of Jesus, as we've been considering this prayer, in the name of Jesus, God's will be done. Let's consider, first of all, that this prayer is for complete sanctification, complete sanctification, perfect sanctification, we could say. Secondly, consider that it's by the mercies of God alone that we are able to pray this and to begin to have this prayer answered in our lives. And then finally, something about proving and approving the will of God is so very, very important for understanding this prayer. Which will? That's the question here. Which will for those who 
know that the Bible distinguishes between uh, God's will of decree, his eternal counsel, and God's will of command. For which will to be done are we praying in the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done. What are we praying for? On the one hand, there are those who suggest that we should be praying for the decree to be done and for our submission to it, so that the prayer, thy will be done, is a prayer of resignation, kind of like Job, who, when everything was taken away, he says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. This would be his praying, thy will be done. Have your own way, Lord, as we sing. And there's certainly something to that. But the decree of God, after all, is something that is always in the Bible, never said to be prayed for, that it would come. Because the decree of God is something revealed as something that will take place. The will of God of his eternal decree and mind and purpose is, is something that's always going to come to pass or God is no longer God. To say that God's will uh, should be done, therefore, almost seems, with regard to the decree, to be a prayer uh, from that perspective that has to do with the decree that's almost blasphemous, as if, if we don't pray it, it's not going to come. So we, we need to remember that. And in fact, I, I find in the Bible as well that this will for which we're to pray that it be done, it simply cannot be the decree of God that we're praying that that be done. This is the secret thing of God that doesn't belong to us to do, after all, and that's Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. There we read, the secret things... And many have suggested that means the, the eternal decree of God. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, the preceptive will, the commandments of God. Those are for us to do and to pray that they might be done. But again, I don't want to minimize the importance of our understanding that if we are going to be obeyers of the law of God, we certainly have to be those who submit to the decree of God in our life. Many of us have providences even today that are hard to receive well. And we're, we're not very happy with the way of God in our life. You know, we even might say it's it's not wise of God or good of God, or certainly I can't take it. And the question then comes, if we're so restless and even complaining about the will of God, how can we even begin to think about obeying the commandments of God? We don't even like the providence of God for us. Or a young man, for example, who's looking for a mate, and, and he's... Uh, struggling with that providence of God and not content, well, that man is going to have problem keeping pure and obeying the commandments of God because he's rebelling 
against the will of God for him, for those born with what we might call a handicap. Uh, if they're not as content with the will of God in the way that they're made, fearfully, and wonderfully, and, and in a good way, how are they going to be able to love God with all their heart and love the neighbor for God's sake because they're not happy with God? And I'm sure we've all been there. Maybe some of us struggling today with the decree of God, which God says shall be done, and which is like this great and mighty stream in our life, not only, but in all the world, and taking up all humanity in its path. Isaiah the prophet says, The counsel of the Lord shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. And so the prophets and so the book of Job and so all of those who've had to struggle with these things, they remind us that there's a counsel of God. And we're reminded, at least it's hinted at in the prayer, thy will be done, that this is fundamental to all of our seeking to do the will of God in the commandments. There has to be this contentment with God's will in our life and providence, the providences of God. For all that, it is revealed in the Bible that the revealed will of God, the commandments, are to be done by us, and this seems to be, in fact, I would say it is, the emphasis of the prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After all, There seems to be a reference here to heaven's doing the will of God. We want the will of God to be done here below perfectly as it is in heaven being done. By whom, children? Who's in heaven? Who lives with God? Well, angels, angels who never sinned, they occupy heaven. And the prophet Isaiah reminds us that they're the ones who are serving God. They're the holy ones who have no sin, and they're there. They minister to the saints, and and they're there to serve God above all, and they're holy. But then there's people who go to heaven. Maybe your grandma's gone to heaven, or your grandpa. Or you know others who've gone before you who weren't so old. And some of us have lost loved ones, and they're very young. And they go to heaven, and the beauty of heaven is that they get to love God perfectly and completely and thoroughly and diligently and not having to wrestle with the old man of sin because they are purified. The just men made perfect are those who occupy heaven and that's where we're going to go. In the meantime, we pray that God would sanctify us to do his will as perfectly as the angels and the elect saints of God who are in heaven. We pray, as the Catechism reminds us, therefore, when we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, grant that we and all men may deny our own will. Without any murmuring, obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels of heaven in heaven. So you, you see that this is the emphasis of the catechism. It has to do with submitting to God's will. And I, 
I would grant that that seems to refer to the providences of God, but especially the emphasis is on our doing the will of God, our being holy as he commands us. As we're told in the epistle of Thessalonians, for example, in chapter 4 and verse 3, for this is the will of God, not referring to the decree, but to his will for us. This is the will of God, your what? Your sanctification, that you should, that's a commandment, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, and on and on. So this also is what the apostles referring to in Romans 12 in our passage here, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a way of life that we're called to. And this is the part of the catechism or of the Lord's Prayer and according to the interpretation of the catechism, that is our sanctification. Sanctification is our holiness. There's no other petition or mention of this in the Lord's Prayer, but here it is. Before we pray for bread or for forgiveness, we pray for our sanctification, our thorough holiness. That's what the word sanctification refers to a process of being made holy. And we're praying here not just to get better and to be a little better, or maybe for society to get a little better. We're praying that there might be purity, purity in all the world among God's people because it's the only ones it's possible for. The rest of people are dead and And corpses who are rotting corpses and sins can't even begin to hear the word of God, let alone do the will of God. But for God's people, in all the world, we're praying for this perfection. Be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as I am perfect, says the Lord. Not just for a little improvement and pray to do better, even though there's some sin and we can just deal with that but to be holy as becomes the children of God. Wow. It's amazing. Is that where your sights are? When you pray or think about the prayer that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, are are you thinking of yourself? You may be doing the will of God and denying your own will and not complaining at all, and completely consecrated to God. It's the calling here. If we're going to pray this. We've got to mean this in everything, every area of our life. I will be done by me, Lord, in the worship service, so my mind isn't wandering in my private life, at work, yes, so that I won't complain, but I'll be the best 
employee ever because I'm serving God. And this is a calling no matter what it is. Is that our prayer and our concern? Our private life as well with all our leisure time? Thy will be done, not mine. There's a struggle, isn't there? And this leads to a second point. By the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. Apostle Paul is inspired to beseech brethren with a therefore in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. This points back to what is there before the therefore, meaning all of the exposition that the apostle has been led to give about the mercies of God. We've gone through Romans years ago. Maybe we should do that again. But the first chapters stake out the turf of this present world. Every single one of us is a sinner. There's none righteous, no, not one, Jew and Gentile, given to their depravity and the lusts of their flesh, and there's no free will at all except freely to sin. That's the first part of Romans first three chapters. But then there's the Savior set forth against that black backdrop of this depravity of the human race that rejects God and shakes the fist at God and is not at all concerned about his will being done. The Savior, Jesus. Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for the ungodly while they were yet ungodly. No merit did he see among them, no righteousness, but he, Jehovah, our righteousness, is provided, and the atonement is there, and through faith there is now peace with God. Romans 4, Romans 5, and sanctification, so that we're joined to Christ's death and resurrection. Romans 6, Romans 7. And preservation, Romans 8 and Romans 9, once again, a recounting of the mercies of God to Jew and Gentile, the elect, so that every single one of them who is snatched out of the fallen human race according to the decree of God is saved this way, not by willing nor by running, but by God who shows mercies, Romans 9, 16. I beseech you, Paul says, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you react well, like praying, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That way. In fact, the apostle is saying here, This is the only way to heaven. That's what he's saying. It's the only way. But now that's impossible, of course, in ourselves. The beauty of the Christian religion is we have a God who, by his mercy, makes possible not only but a reality, the salvation of the people of God. So if you look at 
uh, the apostle Paul here, he's, he's writing to saints. He's writing to those who are in Christ, and they are in Christ. And there's this wonderful union, and there is this wonderful difference that's been made among the people of God. And even though it be a, a small beginning, as we say, of the new obedience, there is this significant thing that's happened so that now these people of God for whom Jesus laid down his life in an offering, an atoning sacrifice, they themselves present their bodies as living sacrifices to God. Thank offerings. This is priestly language here. Something's happened to them. And they now are this people who's concerned with their bodies, every part of their body, to be consecrated to God. And so that their minds, too, are transformed. They are transformed by the renewing of their minds, and they heed the exhortation not to be conformed to this world and its thinking and its desiring, its lusts, its passions, its loves, its hates, and so on. But be the ones who swim upstream. Be the ones who are actually here to plant the flag for God and not ourselves. Who are concerned for the hallowing of God's name and not the name of man and the coming of God's kingdom and not for the kingdom of our own trinities, me, myself, and I. And our wills, too. As the apostle says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind for this purpose, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. More on that in our final point. And I say to you, beloved, that this is all of the mercies of God, this transformation, this beginning. And this is why when we come to this third petition, we should not be discouraged because mercies have come flowing like sweet streams from heaven into our lives. Mercies through Jesus. Blood mercies. Mercies for our life doing the will of God. Again, that's, that's a struggle. There's that world we're not to be conformed to, the devil. You know, the devil, he hates the will of God. Every single petition here, he, he can't stand. He denies the word of God. He denies the Jesus of God. He denies the salvation of God. He, he promotes himself. And his will. So, this is the, uh, the Satan we know. That is, he's this roaring lion. He's not wanting us to serve God and to do his will. And then he has a world with him. So we're not to be conformed not only to the devil, but to the world. What's this world? It's a present evil world, Paul says. It's a world of hate and iniquity, which we're not to love, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, because all that is in the world is not of the Father, but the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's all about me and my will and my kingdom and my name and bread for me and my 
declaring my independence from God. That's why we need mercies, not just initially, but continually. So when we're praying, thy will be done, we're praying, yes, with regard to the providences of God, and then with regard to our doing the will of God and the commandments laid out for us clearly in the Bible, but we're also praying a multitude of other prayers, maybe principle of which is, Lord, have mercy, have mercy. It's a struggle. Apostle Paul, Romans 7, himself would say that, the good that I would, that I want, that is the sanctification of the flesh. I do not, and what I don't want to do, that I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. You have that, don't you, in yourself? The flesh lusts against the spirit. You pray the will of God, and you're finding you're holding back something. I don't want to do the will of God with this, with regard to this aspect of my life, with regard to maybe having to give up some of this stuff that I've been crowding my life with and crowding God out of. I will be done very personal by me, by me. Lord, let it start with me. That, by the way, is how Reformation starts in a church, in a family, by one person saying enough of me, more of God. Ever think of that one person, that's it. And don't say, well, I hope the minister starts getting to be more holy. It starts with you. This is a prayer for you and and for me as well. Something that has to do with working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not everybody else's salvation, but our own salvation, knowing, of course, it's God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, but knowing that there's a workout in front with regard to every one of the commandments of God. You see, here is a word not only for the, the ones who are the disobedient and who struggle, but it's, it's for the floaters, as they call them, who just float along, who are just passive in life. And, well, we don't really want the will of God to be done. Or well, maybe we do, but they're just kind of floating along. And maybe in the name of the sovereignty of God and of grace and that salvation is all of the Lord and it doesn't have anything to do with me, I'm just going to float along. You pray that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're praying for your little part of the earth to be holy. And your bed at night to be holy. And your relationships to be holy, not half holy. And your eyes to be directed to what they should be looking at and away from what they should not be looking at. And your sexual organs to be pure. And your minds to be not filthy. And the media that you use not to be useless for your own holiness, not only, but bad. This is a call. The hardest call in the world that we would renounce our wills and say, God, take over and let me be a part of it. 
willing I want to be in the day of your power. Today. Say that, beloved. Let us pray that. I will be done. I will be done. By me too. And that's by the mercies of God. So that we begin to prove and approve, final point, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I've struggled with what this exactly means. It certainly means this, first of all, that we know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We would know that with regard to the decree. We know this is good and perfect and acceptable. We just know the Bible says so. But also with regard to the will of God, that we might know the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the question comes, though, and it often comes with young people coming to my study, well, how do I know because there's no text for this or that? There's no specific text that says I should take this job or I should move to Philadelphia or not or that I should marry this one or not. There's no specific text. Some people wait and wait and wait for a text, maybe to come down from heaven or a voice. And so they don't know that. But the apostle is saying here, You can know that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, meaning your word-centered, Christ-like worship, your life. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and all of that, so that you may prove, you may show, you may test, as you would a piece of gold in a fire, that this is the will of God. So that suggests to us right away, it's in the way of our being in the way of God, that is, in the will of God for us, doing the will of God, presenting our bodies thank offerings, relying on the mercies of God in Jesus Christ, and not being conformists, that that's how we prove and know the will of God when there's no text. Of course, mostly, or always, we should say, it's the word of God in the Bible that reveals to us the will of God in our lives. Ten Commandments. We read them every single Sunday morning, don't we? To remind us of the will of God and to shut out the noise for once of the will of man and the 2,027 billion commandments of men, ten commandments of God, and then love God and love the neighbor for God's sake. It's not rocket science. And then all the ways that the Bible embellishes upon the commandments of God and In this area of our social life, in that area of our worship, in this our family life, and work life, and so on, one thing for work is this. Here's a commandment of God. Work. 
That's the commandment with regard to work. 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 Do it. If you don't work, you don't eat. I know there's exceptions because you can't work. But pretty simple. Work. Work. You're called to work. Young men, you're called to work. Ladies, you're called to work. Whatever you're doing, it's going to be working. Very important. Very wise of God. Uh, Don't fornicate. Yeah. Be holy. The marriage bed is undefiled. Not your beds. Not your pornographic stations. Be holy. The Bible says so. And with regard to a mate, yes, there is the Bible for that too. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness, light and darkness, Christ and the devil? That's as clear as it gets for what kind of mate you should have. A believer, a believer, a truster in God, like you. The name, not given. Wait on the Lord, that is given. That's an often repeated commandment of God, isn't it? Maybe it's the one most infamous with regard to young people, young adults. Wait. And then you turn the page. Wait. You turn the page. Wait. Again and again. Don't be desperate. Next page. Don't be desperate. Like fear not. Seek the Lord and trust in him. These kinds of things. Those are the principles of the precepts of the Bible, to know the will of God. That's why it's so important for our parents and grandparents to see to it that the little ones know the principles before they get in the back seat of the car or before they go over here and they're learning the way of the heathen and how fun it can be to sin. I sigh because I know it's hard. It really is. And there's, it's never so easy, is it, that it's just one way. It's Highway 2 down Canada and Pulaski Road right outside my house in Huntington, Long Island. It's not so easy as that, that highway. There's all kinds of sideways and byways and paths and, and they look appealing and These things might be the will of God for me. And this is how I should do this because there's a lot of people on this path. And surely God would say, you are to pray my will be done with all kinds of people who seem like they're so nice. I'm going to do your will with this guy and that guy and and whatever. Certainly, it's the will of God that we we go to the beach, isn't it? Because that makes me happy. You know the struggles. There's another thing, though, that's with regard to this proving the will of God. It has to be uh, to do with approving, approving the will of God. There's a text, and I have lost it. I don't know where it is. But it speaks of 
proving and testing the will of God so that you find for yourself it is good. And that's what I want to leave you with. You know, all this struggle of Christianity, it's not because of God and it's not because our Father in Heaven wants to make life complicated and difficult. And he's this, people call him this, this eternal pest. It's so hard, and why does he do that? That's not it at all. It's so hard because we make it that way. We complicate our lives. We get off the path, and we can't find a way back. And maybe some of you are there. You can't find a way back. It will be done. I have no idea where to start. But beloved, there's something about God giving you to start, and you're maybe being on the, the pigsty, and you've spent the father's inheritance, and finally you come to your senses and say, you know what? All these people were in it for the money with me, for my money. And there's nothing I did here to feed myself and to satisfy my flesh that really amounted to a hill of beans. It was worthless. I'd rather go back home and be a servant than a son. Now that is what he found out. He tried everything. It sounds like the book of Ecclesiastes. I've tried everything and found everything wanting except the will of God and to do it. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the end of Ecclesiastes. For us, much more positive and wholesome and full because the mercies of God and Jesus are revealed. Fear God and keep his commandments. Praise God! What a wonderful thing! Because, after all, when we come to our senses, we find this is good. It's not the fun that's good, just the silly, sinful fun, the frolicking and the rollicking and the whatevering. It's holiness. Because our Father's holy and we want to be like Him. This is happiness. This is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. This is what He lays out for us, beloved. It's such a happy thing. The good and acceptable and perfect will of God, we know it, we learn it, we test and see, this is God's will. And we find ourselves saying, I love that. I approve that. This is God's gold for me. Even though the world says, you guys are a bunch of Puritans, and you have no fun, and it beckons you to have fun and be wild with it. Even though that's the case, you go hard by the cross, don't you? And say, that may be not your fun, but it's where I get to know my God. Beloved, let's pray that. That third petition, thy will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, by me, by my family, by all of us, to the praise of God. 
He's worth serving, isn't he? His will is good for us. It may be hard, this providence. It may be hard, this commandment. And to have only God and only Jesus and, and be all alone, it seems, as a church of Christ. But that's not loneliness. That's called the friendship and fellowship of God. Amen. We pray that you would bless us. Lord God in heaven, whose name is holy, whose kingdom is coming, whose will is being done, and we pray that your name would be holy and hallowed by us, and your kingdom would come among us, and your will be done by us. Lord, hear our prayers. Bless this congregation. Rid us of any semblance of hypocrisy and, and wavering. Help us to press on. Your mercies are so great. You're worthy to serve. Our glad offerings of ourselves we present to you. Amen.